This is the Sports with Teeth podcast. Podcasting live, your hosts, Kyle Washington and Alex Warnicke. Welcome to the Sports with Teeth podcast. My name, as always, Alex Warnicke. Joining me is Kyle Washit from up in beautiful Seattle, Washington. Uh, we took a break last week, didn't get on the pod because the Huskies were on a bye week, but we're back, baby, uh, after a big win for the Huskies, 31-7 over Cal. Uh, Kyle, how how'd your bye week treat you? It was good, good. Yeah, I was, we were hoping to do one last week. I ended up coming down with the flu. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to do it because I just didn't have the energy to do it. But I'm back. I'm fired up for this one. Uh, great win this weekend against Cal. Uh, we got a big game coming up on Saturday in Eugene. Absolutely. Let's dive right into that UW well, Cal game. I, I think we got to wish wish a happy birthday first to uh, to Coach Peterson. Turns fifty oh. today. Did you hear? Did you hear that? Turning fifty. I did not Looking hear that. Looking pretty but... good for the big five zero. So, but you know, enough... I, I I do know what I want to get him for his fiftieth birthday. What do you want to get him? Oh, I want to get him a big dog victory this weekend. That sounds pretty right for me. Yeah, I was thinking maybe like a twelve gauge shotgun, so we could do a little duck hunting down in uh, Eugene this weekend. That works. Maybe I... some uh, some some orange camo or something like that. Yeah, a little orange orange vest and some uh, some shells to do some duck hunting because season the season is wide open uh, to take oh. down some take down some ducks. Absolutely. Speaking of hunting, uh, it was a little bit of a bear hunting season uh, down in Berkeley this weekend. UW beats Cal 31-7, pretty much the most complete game the Huskies have turned in all season uh, in in both sides of the ball, all three sides of the ball for that matter. Um, So great to see the dogs come out with a victory down in Northern California. I was actually at this game. um, Yeah, how was it? How was it? It looked like a night beauty day down there for a football game. Oh, it was Gorgeous, gorgeous day. Not too hot, which is really kind of a struggle when you go down to Cal, but um, had a great time. Uh, hung out with my buddy Max and then uh, saw one of the, our good friends, uh, Eric Buffalo, down there as well. So uh, nice. met up with him and the wife and, you know, just had a, had a good time over in Berkeley and enjoyed the sights, enjoyed the victory. Sounded, sounded like there was a pretty good contingent of dogs down there, hey? Oh, absolutely. There were quite a few, quite a few. I know uh, there are quite a few local dogs down here in the Bay Mm -hmm. Area. Definitely. Um, But, you know, I think they also traveled pretty well. Um, You know, one of of the closer trips that you're going to get in the conference, so... Uh, yeah, speaking not, not speaking of close trips this coming weekend, I'll be down in Eugene. Hopefully, Alex as well. Uh, so that should be should be a fun one. Taking in a game at Austin Stadium next weekend. Yeah, we'll see if we can get our uh, get a live set up with uh, both of us and some uh, some friends. A little Husky roundtable, maybe. Maybe, uh, we'll maybe a pre pre game roundtable. That could be could be awesome. Uh, but we be better dive game. right into this Cal game. Uh, I think we got to start out with that defense, don't we? Oh, absolutely. I mean, so much for. Cal's social media campaign hashtag drop fifty. They they dropped seven. On the <laughs> yep, Huskies. gotta love that. Yeah, Cal com- uh, was... comes into the game averaging fifty points and over five hundred and fifty yards of offense per game, and uh, we held them to seven points uh, in the thirty-one to seven victory, along with uh, three hundred sixty yards. They moved the ball a little bit, but no big plays given up by our defense at all, and they really were the difference in this ball game, shutting down Jared Goff in that uh, high-powered uh, aerial attack that Cal's got down there. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to start off with what is turning into the league's biggest X factor, in, or the country's biggest X factor, Seriously? Shaq Thompson. I mean, it has another another defensive touchdown, Kyle. It, it's it's getting to where it's it's you're you're thinking when is it going to happen, not if it's going to happen. Yeah, hundred yard scoop and score. It's crazy. Shoot, is the second second drive of the game for Cal. Uh, they had a nice drive going, get it down all the way down to the the half yard line. Uh, looked like a guy almost scored. They reviewed it, no touchdown there. And so they try a QB sneak, and uh, Jared Goff kind of kind of bobbles the snap, hits off of his helmet, and uh, ends up falling right into Shaq Thompson's hands. He breaks a tackle, breaks another tackle, and then he's just off to the races. 30, 20, Shaq Thompson will take up that distance. Uh, that's the touch. No one touches the Shaqtus. Nobody touches the Shaqtus, huh, more? No, I've been telling my friends all weekend about how we have a sound drop specifically for Shaq Thompson touchdowns because it happens so often. It's just crazy. He's an unbelievable playmaker, maybe the defensive MVP of the entire Pac-12 this season. I don't see how he couldn't be. Yeah, um, well, we're, we have another guy in our defense that we could probably talk about. They might have a fair uh, fair argument against him and Kelly Kikaha. But, yeah, that was a huge play there. 14-point swing. I mean, Cal's going in to take a 7-0 lead. Uh, the momentum just flipped totally on that play. And, you know, really, we, we didn't look back from there. Nope, we absolutely didn't. Uh, Shaq is now tied for the team lead with five touchdowns this season four on defense one on offense and he's he's a freaking linebacker kyle i mean it's, it's absurd that touchdown uh put him ahead of john ross actually for the team lead and then john ross had a had a pretty nice touchdown of his own uh, later in that second quarter but uh yeah f- four defensive touchdowns i was looking i was pouring through some stats this afternoon uh, a little footballreference.com doing some searches on there uh the four defensive touchdowns that's the most in the country since 1999 uh, it's the fourth time in college football history that a fumble's been returned over 100 yards uh, for a touchdown. And, and yeah, I was, I was trying to figure out what the most defensive touchdowns was in a single season. I couldn't find that stat online. They don't keep very good stats for defensive touchdowns. But uh, yeah, four defensive TDs. Uh, you got to think he might, probably is going to add a couple more of the pace he's going. I mean, it, it it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. That's for <laughs> sure. It got still half the season left to play and he's already tied for the most since 99 i think he's gonna break that record that's ridiculous yeah <laughs> like unbelievable plus plus i think he got it he didn't he didn't get featured at all on offense this week but i mean i think in the future he's definitely gonna get the ball um you know he's, he's just too too talented with the ball in his hands not to not to get him some touches offensively as well yeah we'll see we'll see what coach peterson and the boys uh draw up on, on the offensive side of the ball for him this week i think it's i mean this week is one of those games where you kind of pull out all the stops. You do anything mm-hmm. you can Definitely. Uh, to win. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him getting more than that that quintessential one series or, in last week's case, zero mm-hmm. series on offense. So um, yeah, love to get the ball in his hands. Definitely, yeah. Got to love the balls in his hands, aside from uh, if it's a fake punt when you're tied in the fourth quarter. But that's another another story for another podcast. Um, we talked about that a lot in the last one. Uh, three turnovers to that defense. You get the Shaq touchdown uh, that on the on Cal's next series. They botch a handoff. Uh, we get the ball at the 25-yard line. Sets up our second touchdown. Also a fumble to start the fourth quarter. Um, so that gives us three, t- three turnovers on the day. Uh, runs our total on the season to 15 takeaways to only one giveaway. 
away. That's a plus 14 turnover margin, good enough for best in the country. A huge stat that Coach Peterson's really been focusing on in the in the preseason camps and whatnot, really focusing on those phone, on the turnover stats, and uh, it's really paid off so far. And, I mean, again, we're going to say this quite a few times tonight. Uh, that's going to be a huge trend to keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the dogs want to go in and get the upset in Eugene this weekend. Um, so make sure you guys look out for that. Marcus Mariota hasn't turned over the ball all season. So um, if we can if we can win the turnover battle, might be might be a good good sign for the dogs down yeah. in hostile and territory. Mariota hasn't thrown an interception on the year. Uh, he has had a few fumbles, uh, notably oh, okay. notably so Scooby Wright stripping him to end that Arizona yes. game in their yes, in their yes, lone yes, loss correct. of the season. Um, but yeah, seventeen points off turnover for the dogs. That was huge, you know. It really, especially obviously the Shaq touchdown, momentum wise, but. The whole game, we were after him, uh, forcing fumbles, getting in the backfield, um, really, really put pressure on Jared Goff, their QB, who's been putting up great numbers, and we really made their what a pretty, what's a pretty good offensive line. We made them look uh, like a very poor offensive line. Yeah, I mean, the first place you have to go here is probably Haole Kikaha. Um, he adds three sacks to his total, um, including one with a that was a strip sack, a forced fumble, um, puts Cal out of field goal range at the end of the first half which is, you know, a, a big moral boost to go into that mm-hmm. half, throwing up the goose egg for Cal. So uh, Definitely. Yeah. We, got, we got the ball back right after that, and uh, John Ross took it to the house. So huge, huge play there. Um, also four, four, four and a half tackles for loss. He now leads the country with 10 sacks and 13.5 tackles for loss. Uh, this guy's just playing on a whole nother level. He put this into a little historical, Husky football historical um, context here, how good he's playing this year. I mean, his his thirteen and a half on the year puts him only one and a half sacks behind the UW single season record done by uh, Jason Chorak. Yeah, Jason Chorak ninety six. Uh, there were only six games in the season. Like that's insane. He's got he's got a whole half of the season. I mean, he's got he's got a chance to put up a historically great um, season this year, and he just continues to uh, to get after rushing from that edge uh, in a stand up position this year. Uh, he's looking looking like a, a another another level player out there this year for us. Yeah, Kyle. I don't want to I don't want to like sound crazy here, but I'm I'm just gonna throw it out there just to get it, to get it out there. If if UW beats Oregon and either Kikaha or Shaq Thompson are major parts of that game. You got to kind of start putting them in to some conversations about major college football awards. And I don't want to throw out the H word. I mean, they're playing, they're having great seasons. I don't think that's going to happen just based on the trend of not giving it to defensive players. But if this kind of trend continues, they're having such an impact this year mm-hmm. that I don't see how they couldn't win, you know, some, some, uh, I believe it's the, is it the Butkus Award for the best linebacker? Yeah, Butkus Award, Outland Award for best uh, Award. interior lineman. Uh, I think Kikaha has definitely got a shot at that. Uh, the Nagurski Award for best defensive player, both of them have some shot at that Absolutely. as well. I think, uh, I think... The only only possibility of that 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 old Heisman one one is wide open. There no one really has taken a, right, a lead in it, right. aside from Dak Prescott. Um, yes. No one's voting for America's sweetheart, Jameis Winston again. Um, so so I think yeah, that's Todd, Todd Gurley's out for the season. So yeah, that's, or, yeah. or as far as we know, so yeah, indefinitely. He's, so, and he's not you know just morally based. Nobody's going to vote for him either. He was my 
front runner uh you know before all the all the scandal came out with him so yeah um you're right it is wide it's completely it's wide, wide open. open so so hypothetically say Shaq Thompson gets another one or two defensive touchdowns gets three or four more offensive touchdowns he ends up having 10 touchdowns uh the, the other thing is going to have to happen on that is that uh the Huskies are going to have to compete for a Pac-12 championship. Absolutely. So they're going to have to they're going to have to get nationally recognized as a team that's legit and a team that's, you know, contending on the fringe possibly for a playoff spot or for a Rose Bowl. And so, you know, is that going to happen? I think if we win at Oregon, yeah, clearly. Uh, I, I saw Stuart Mandel, uh, formerly of SI, now at Fox. He had his top five Heisman candidates today, and Shaq Thompson was number five on there. So clearly national media is starting to take notice. I mean, anytime you get you get that kind of touchdown numbers out of a linebacker, it's, it's ridiculous. And and he's an awesome uh, tackling linebacker to boot. He's also forced two fumbles. So he's uh, clearly clearly right there in the mix uh, for national awards. Uh, but I think Kikaha as well kind of gets lost in the shuffle because he's not scoring touchdowns, but his season has been unreal as well. He's only three sacks, too, now uh, behind the career sack leader, uh, Daniel Tanesham, uh, in UW history. So he's got a chance to really, really put his uh, put his mark on that Husky record book. Yeah, I mean, both those guys, along with someone we haven't talked about who had a phenomenal game as well, Danny Shelton, clogging mm-hmm. up the middle of that defensive front. Um, those three players have just proved to be lightning in a bottle for Chris mm-hmm. Pearson and his defense. And, you know, all three of those guys have, you know, they're they're basically what's running this team right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not electrifying plays from the offense. Although John Ross has, like, give credit where credit's mm-hmm. due. You know, Definitely. he's had some great plays. Um, but it's it's that defense that's the rock behind, uh, behind that. And, you know, Kyle, I, I totally agree with you that UW's going to have to win some games. However, the Pac-12 North is absolutely wide open. It's anybody's mm-hmm. ball game between Stanford, Oregon, and Washington, I think. And outside of that, I don't really see anybody else competing. I mean, Wazoo has shown that their historically bad defense can't mm-hmm. win them games. Um, clearly, Oregon State hasn't looked great. And clearly, Cal Cal's clearly a pretender. Also, yeah. yeah, Cal's a pretender as well. So, I mean, I, I, would, I would venture to say that, I mean, the big... The big game for Washington is clearly Oregon remaining. If we win that game, then we're in the absolute driver's seat uh, mm-hmm. for the Pac-12 North and getting to that Pac-12 title game. And if that happens, I, I don't see how you could, you know, you can't, it, it's going to take a really unbelievable effort from the likes of Dak Prescott, from the likes of Jameis Winston to uh, to kind of beat these guys out. I mean, this is so hypothetical that it's, I, I don't even like talking about it. Because I mean, we saw. But what this else game are we going to talk about on a Husky football podcast? <laughs> not, not. I mean, <laughs> everything. But <laughs> you forgot about the other Mississippi quarterback that uh, should be in that discussion, Doctor Bo. Doctor Bo, getting out that rusty scalpel. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. But, so uh, Shelton Kikaha looked great on the D line. Uh, I thought Buda Baker played a great game in the secondary. There, he, you see him flying around. Uh, he's clearly matured. Um, you know he had that he had a pick that was called back as a couple uh, penalties, but obviously electric on that return. Wouldn't mind seeing him with the the ball in his hands a little bit as well. So, uh, Buda Baker starting to starting to shape up uh, as well as the rest of our young secondary. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I definitely noticed him making some amazingly mm-hmm. solid tackles in the open field, one on one on some of Cal's really solid receivers. I think he had one on Bryce Treggs that was uh, that may have even knocked him out of the game. It was such a hard hit. Um, so uh, I, I mean, he's definitely progressed. 
Um, and that's what Huskies absolutely needed. That's a hallmark of a good defense is if your defensive backs can tackle people in space. That's going to be huge, uh, tackling in space against spread offense. Uh, that's how we shut down Cal, and that's how you got to shut down any spread offense uh, like Oregon's. And, and you know, we talked about uh, early in the season about why our defense was struggling. I think a lot of it had to do with them uh, react or with them like thinking about the plays and thinking about what they needed to do assignment wise instead of just reacting and flying to the football. And I think clearly you saw this defense uh, the last couple of games. It's been they've been starting to just play play and react and and just fly around out there. And they're really it doesn't look like they're thinking out there. It looks like uh, all the stuff that Coach K on the the defensive coordinator there, Pete Kidkowski. He's uh he's he's kind of drilled it into them, and uh, it was a little bit of a slow learning curve. But I think they're really flying around and coming into form just as uh, the, the heart of the Pac-12 schedule is coming up here. Yep, absolutely, I'd agree with that. And um, we're gonna need them to play a huge, huge game this weekend mm-hmm. um, if we want to pull one out in <laughs> Eugene. Um, Anything else you want to talk about before we go over to the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, defensively, even when they did score their one touchdown, we, we there's a slow drive that took them 19 plays over 66 yards in seven minutes to, to the score. And this isn't a four-touchdown game, so it's one of those deals where that's totally fine with us. Let's let that clock keep ticking. Uh, you know, they, they didn't get any big plays at all. I, I, I don't know, I didn't look up the stat, but I'd venture to guess they didn't have a play over, over 20 yards the entire game. Um, so, you know, I think, I think our defense eliminating that big play and, uh, really just flying around back there was, was critical, um, this weekend going forward. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's halfway to do with, um, just how good our defensive, our defense was playing. Also, Sonny Dykes was not, he did not inject any sense of energy or emotion into that offense. Um, I believe he punted the ball with like seven minutes left in a four touchdown game. It's like, come on, man. You, well, if, I don't, do you want to win? I don't know. I don't know if it. I don't. I mean, the offense clearly is an explosive offense. So I think. I think you got to tip your hat mostly to us. I mean, they've proven Absolutely. proven that that they can put up points. Obviously, they were due for a letdown. You know, going into this game, I kind of thought Cal was gonna gonna show up with a little bit of a letdown. And obviously, you know, the way that that uh, first big play for us, Shaq Thompson's touchdown, that really really kind of put them. They it looked like they had their tail between their legs, and uh, we really just took it to them, and then kind of kind of sat on the ball in the second half. Um, offensively, uh, what do you, what do you see here offensively for us, War? Yeah, well, a, a pretty good bounce back game for Siler Miles um, after playing just not very well against Stanford two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he came back, he looked a little bit more composed, looked like he was more in control of his emotion and his uh, his drive uh, to win this game. Um, went twenty two for twenty nine uh, with two hundred seventy three yards and three touchdowns, no interceptions. That's that's all you want and more from Siler Miles in any game. Like you oh, know, totally. he's not gonna he's not gonna throw up 400 yards of passing mm-hmm. just based on the offense and based on his abilities. But I mean, that's that's a fantastic stat line for Siler Miles. And if he does that again this week, I'm, I like our chances. Yeah, well, definitely. So. I mean, he comes out you know much maligned. A lot of talk. Uh, is he the is he the right guy these last couple of weeks and during the bye? Um, really looked like they went back to the basics. He was 13 of 17 in the first half, uh, 181 yards there, uh, three TDs in that first half. So, and then the second half, they really, really just kind of milked the clock and didn't, didn't really do branch out and basically didn't put us in a position to make a, make a play to lose the game. You know, where we're, we're up by four touchdowns. There's no, no sense in really, really taking any chances. But I thought in that first half, we looked, we looked really good on 
on offense, obviously aided by some good field position uh, and a great play by John Ross, which we'll get to in a sec. But, you know, I thought I thought Siler played pretty well. Uh, the arm strength clearly is, is still the issue. You saw it on the first play of the game. Uh, Ross was running wide open on that deep post that we hit against uh, Hawaii, and he just underthrew it. You know, he just didn't quite have, have enough zip to get it out there. And I think that play, obviously, is, it's, you know, everyone saw that. But the other one that you, you, a lot of people might not see or some people do, but it's those, those bubble screens out there, he doesn't quite have the zip to get it out there just quick enough so that Mickens can, can maybe, you know, get past there before the linebacker has a chance to get out there. So that that's something that, that needs to get shored up. And, you know, a lot of it has to do, if you're not going to get out there quite as fast, you got to put it right on the money accuracy-wise so that you can get the timing on those plays down so that we can bust instead of a four-yard gain, we can bust it to a 12-yard gain on those those little screens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Huskies go back to that that uh, little. I, I don't know if it's a double move or if it's just a straight up post route with uh, with John Ross down the middle of the field. I wouldn't be surprised if they go back to that first play of the game again because oh, yeah. it was open. It was absolutely open. It's just a, a little bit a... of a timing thing and a little bit of a arm strength thing because you know you know John Ross is going to outrun anybody on the field. Um, Oregon has some good athletes, but I mean, from yep. what I've seen of John Ross. Nobody can catch him. <laughs> that's that's a play that uh, actually Newheisel was breaking it down before the game, uh, breaking down that Hawaii one. I'm assuming it's this exact same one where they, the inside guy, the tight end, ran like a corner out, and they did the scissors concept basically. Mm-hmm. So so you get the little rub there, and then you know hopefully you get no no safety help over the top, which they didn't there. And even if they do, if the safety makes one bad step, I mean you got to think one on one. John, no one's gonna be able to stay with John Ross over a 70 yard period basically. So yeah. That's that was Absolutely. that play. You got you got to think they'll go back to that. And I guess speaking of Ross, I mean the guy's amazing. He had those four four catches, uh, 118 yards. I think the big play was that 86 yard screen play, minute 30 left in the half, uh, where he just took it to the house. Yeah, that was something completely insane. I mean, he's running sideways across the field, and he's still, <laughs> you know, they can't get their angles right to catch him because I I just think they underestimate his speed, and he is one of the fastest players in the country. I mean. Frankly, uh, a funny story, I actually, I was standing in line at uh, Cal Memorial Stadium to go to the bathroom, and uh, right behind me was one of his, uh, a guy who said he's known him since he was, you know, yay tall, uh, uh-huh. been, a, been a good family friend of the Ross family, and he said that he's been doing that since he was little. You know, he just scores at will, he, you know, you put him in space, and nobody can touch him, because he's just got that explosive nice. ability um so it was kind of cool to talk to him about that and is that a little, is that a little urinal talk uh i was in line for the urinal okay. talk. <laughs> so, what's your feelings on urinal talk um uh, not a fan not no, a fan. your anti-urinal talk me too anti-urinal talk <laughs> okay they do have they do have uh stanford themed urinals in uh oh, nice. memorial stadium which I like was nice that. i didn't didn't mind that at all yeah um, like so a little that, that little air fun. freshener in there yeah, no, actually, I saw one that was painted completely red with, like, an actual Stanford logo. Like, Gotta right love that. Of it. Piss, pissing on your rival. Gotta love it. Absolutely. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Ross, obviously, that play gives us the, the uh, four-touchdown lead going into the half. Uh, another play of note, another another uh, screenplay. I think it might have been the exact same play there in the fourth quarter where he juked about 50 guys this time. Uh, gained about 40 yards. Got called back because of a penalty. You didn't really agree with this penalty, did you? Absolutely not. I mean, I listened to Chris Peterson's press conference today, and the only thing he could mention was talking about the strike zone. They they teach these players to hit in a certain area of the body. It's from the knees up 
to about the to about the top of the numbers, so right in the chest. Uh-huh. And he said that you know it was Joshua Perkins who made that hit. Um, he said he put his shoulder right in the middle of the strike zone. Um, unfortunately, Pac-12 refs are just you know showing how they're kind of messing around with. The, the real definition of the rule, the real intent of the rule is mm-hmm. not to stop that kind of play. It's to stop the, you know, the ridiculous kind of not looking at him and where a guy takes his head off. Yeah, um, clearly, if, it, if a guy's running right in the chest. Yeah, if it's, if it's a safety that's running behind a player trying to make a tackle, uh, he's clearly blockable. You know, it's not like he, he's not a defenseless player at that point, you know. So clearly, the intent of the rule was wrong. Or the intent of the call obviously didn't didn't catch the spirit of the targeting rule, which I think we're both all for the targeting rule and protecting players. Absolutely, because we want this game to go on for uh, another hundreds of years, you know. But it is the, you know, you got to have those rules. So, uh, yeah, terrible call. Um, definitely looked like he was he was hit him right in the chest there. Uh, it's it's a bummer because that 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 means he was auto ejected and it means that he's uh, suspended for the first half of that Oregon game. Yeah, Pac-12 offices coming out this afternoon saying that's. It's reviewed in the game, which, I mean, every targeting foul is reviewed uh, to determine whether or not the player should be ejected. Uh, Because that happened in the second half and it wasn't overturned, um, I don't know how it wasn't overturned, Mm -hmm. by the way, Um, because it wasn't overturned, that it it acts as like basically a full game suspension. So Mm -hmm. the second half of that Cal game plus the first half of that Oregon game. Mm -hmm. So... um, we're going to see I'm, – I'm still not 100% sure how that exact suspension works. Um, I believe that's how it works. He's going to be yeah, out for the first half. That's correct. And, and they, they, the Pac-12 said they can't overturn it because in-game it was reviewed, um, which is just ridiculous because, I mean, doesn't clearly, make any sense. Clearly, how about we just let cooler heads prevail? We look at it. Okay, the, the refs made a mistake. Let's let's admit that. But you know, out of the Pac-12 referee office, who had their their head their leader resigned because of this uh, terribleness that is the Pac-12 refs, they just have this oh, un- uncompromising uncompromising ineptitude. About that. Yeah, the the term that I figured was the best was uncompromising ineptitude. Uh, it's been going on since 1915 when the uh, Pacific Coast Conference was founded. Uh, it's just really unbelievable how how poor those uh, those refs do. But uh, uh, Perkins, the, the loss there, not huge for the first half. He did have a touchdown catch. He is is coming into uh, form there as a, a little bit of a target as a tight end, but. We are pretty deep at that position with Daniels and Hartvinston, so I th- I don't think it's going to be the end of the world that he's out for a half. No, and you know it didn't really impact the game that much. Not at all, um, really. It, I mean, it was still an amazing play, and I still think that you know UW's probably going to show that on highlights for mm-hmm. years to come. I mean, the definition of a highlight reel play was a la Reggie Bush, but <laughs> more jukes. <laughs> yeah, so, John Ross. Uh, so, so t- let's say go top three uh, most electrifying players in the Pac-12. Who you got? I mean, John Ross has to be in there. Yeah, um, I think I think you got to throw Ty Montgomery in there as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, man, it's I mean Shaq Thompson. <laughs> uh, honestly, <laughs> like, uh, I, mean, <laughs> I think I think DJ Foster down at Arizona State, their running back receiver combo there. I think he's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'd also I'd also like to put in as much as it pains me, Ifo Ekpre Olamu, um, electric player as well on that Oregon defense. So. Yeah, I was th- I was thinking more like offensive guys, ball in hand. So which would probably have to go with uh, Devin Allen on their on their team, the speedster. So, uh, yeah, 
Definitely. Uh, another guy that had a pretty good game for us, Jadon Mickens. Looked like they made a concerted effort to get him the football. Uh, Ten catches, 69 yards, a lot of short passes. Uh, he had specifically one drive in that in that first quarter where he caught like four balls in a row, and then they threw a reverse to him as well. So he, he they really wanted to get Mickens the ball, and, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, you know, he's kind of turning into that little that little slot receiver a la Wes Welker, um, you know, just kind of catching those short passes. And then John Ross is the guy that stretches the defense out. Mm-hmm. We're still kind of looking for that mid-range guy. I mean, I think we're probably – I mean, we're, well, we're going to we talk about We have that guy. This. We've seen we it. Have we, ha- him. we have that guy. Cason Williams, no catches for him again. Uh, yes, I mean, absolutely. it's frustrating. It really frustrates me that he's not getting the ball. Uh, I think I think he's got to be hurt still. That's really the only explanation. This is a guy who, for three years, has has done it for us, being that mid-range guy, catching those curl routes on third and eight. You know, mm-hmm. those out routes. Uh, I think I think I don't. I, he's got to be hurt. There's, there's just no reason he's not getting the separation. He's not getting the ball. They, they didn't even feel like they targeted him at all um, this weekend. So yeah, I, I, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, it seemed like even before the game last week, a lot of the player interviews and coaches' interviews were alluding to the fact that he's he's just not quite 100. percent Yeah, Coach Peterson was asked specifically about that today in his press conference, and you know he said like, "I know you media members are kind of scratching your head. Why isn't he getting the ball?" And he said that we're kind of scratching our heads too. We don't really know why. Um, they're they're designing plays. Coach just, speak. <laughs> it's just it's just kind of going to other people. Um, mm-hmm. So. I don't know. That's kind of troubling to hear that they don't know why he isn't getting the ball. I mean, I think, I think you can I've, design I've, plays for him, but I, I agree. He's got to be hurt. He's hurt. Yeah, I think, and I think that's some coach speak out of Peterson. I mean, they're not going to tip their hat to any anything. But you never know. Now, now, obviously, the the focus of the defense is going to be on Ross and Mickens. So you know, maybe maybe he was he was getting guarded by a lot of their the top corners because he has the reputation of being that good of a receiver. So now that might free him up a little bit uh, with Ross and Mickens uh, performing so well. Yeah, I know he's that he's kind of that big body that that strong to John Ross's fast and Jadon Mickens shifty mm-hmm. that you know kind of completes that that full receiver. Yeah, set. definitely, I like um, that. So, we'd love to see him get some touches this week actually, and for the rest of the season. Period. Yeah, I, was, I actually ran into uh, Jadon Mickens and Casey Williams walking from the dental school of the IMA today. I uh, came and go dogs and uh, told him good luck this weekend. So I see him down there. So uh, they're ready to go. They're fired up for that duck game. Absolutely. Gotta love that. (laughs) Gotta love it. (laughs) Um, The running game, uh, it was a decent running game. I thought we gashed him up the middle a little bit. Uh, Still not quite uh, rolling as well as I'd like to see it, especially... You know, in the second time, half, wasting away the game, we did it a little bit. Uh, not quite as much as I would have liked to see. You got uh, LeVon Coleman, 66 yards. Dwayne Washington, 53 yards. Those are really the, the two guys that are getting all the carries now. You're not seeing Cooper in there, and obviously Callier's out for the season with the injury. Yeah. Um, I mean, we knew it wasn't going to be Bishop Sankey again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have covered that quite quite often in the in the podcast this, uh, this season. So, um, not anything to really worry over um it was good in the second half to see them getting some big gains up the middle and um wasting that clock out just i think the mentality there was just you know hey we've got enough of a lead now let's just get home yeah definitely Um, that's clearly the mentality and we've seen that out of peterson in the illinois game as well um, Absolutely. The other games, I think that was the only other game we had a big lead. But uh, you know, they, he, he's not going to take any chances with that with that big lead, and uh, you know, pretty vanilla stuff. Don't want to show anything on film, you know. So so that's that's something in the second half that I'm really did not 
judging our offense off that performance. I'm judging it more off the first half where I thought we looked good. I thought our offensive line looked a lot better than Stanford, which has as much to do with us as it does uh, with Cal's defensive front. Um, yeah. Clearly, obviously, Stanford was one of the best defenses in the country. Um, and so, so I think our offensive line's getting better. Ben Riva played a little bit. He ended up not finishing the game. Coleman Shelton came in for him. So hopefully Riva can be back fully healthy, uh, as, as he's a senior there on that line. That's, that's just going to be, going to be facing a little bit more pressure this week against, uh, Oregon swarming defense. Absolutely. Um, some other guys got into the act. We mentioned Joshua Perkins getting that touchdown on the corner route. Uh, DeAndre Campbell also getting in on the act, uh, caught another touchdown, um, I believe one of his one of his first touchdowns is a Husky, um, which is good to see uh, him get in on the action. Thirteen yard touchdown pass over the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of just you know that's that's pretty much the story of the game. We had better offense than them, much better defense than them, mm-hmm. uh, and really that's all you can say. It was, it was a thorough beating on the road, which is always good to see. Hey, road conference victories. He does. You don't take those lightly. No, you do not. Sark only has Sarkeesian not. in his five years as coach at UW. Guess how many road conference victories he had? Five years. Yep. Five, five years. years. Five years coach at UW. I want to say he had twelve. He had a total grand total of drum roll, please. Seven road conference victories as coach of UW. Man. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome, USC. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, so well, he got one this week uh, on a lucky, kind of a lucky ending there. Um, yeah, right. But yeah, so so you don't take these road conference victories lightly. You know, the dogs going down to Cal, they've won they've won there like three times in a row now. So gotta love that. Um, and now we're uh, are you thirsty at all? Uh, I'm a little thirsty. You're a little thirsty. Uh, let me find this uh, drop here for you. When you need that frothy refreshment, it's time for Sports with Teeth Beer of the Week. Give me a cold beer here. Oh man, that's good. Beer of the week. Beer of the week. Oh yeah, Kyle. It's the return of Sports with Teeth Beer of the Week. Uh, an abbreviated version this week because someone uh, who will remain nameless forgot to get a beer of the week this week. Uh, I don't know. I, I think we're going to have to dock your pay this week for not buying a beer. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, yeah, dock me. Dock me from zero. Zero dollars that we're making off this podcast. <laughs> Which if uh, anyone wants to sponsor our podcast, you're more than welcome to. Give us a call. <laughs> uh, specifically the Beer of the Week segment. We could definitely use a sponsor for that one. Yeah, um, for sure. But hey, I thought about I thought about faking it, but I'm not going to fake it. You nope. know? It no, you're not. I could have easily faked it, but no. Not no. a girl. No, we're we're very uh, we're very straightforward on this podcast. We're not going <laughs> to we're, we're not going to we do yet. on the Sports with Teeth. Yeah, we're we're, we're Reviewing beers. We're straight shooters. We're straight, We're straight shooters, Kyle. We're I mean, I can, I can, I got a Rainier in the fridge. I can pull out if you really want me to, but this, that's owned <laughs> by the Russians now, so no, it's unfortunate. Love that vitamin R. <laughs> vitamin um, R. All right, I what, did what do you got, up, I did pick up a beer this week, um, and Kyle, it might be enough beer for the both of us. Let's be yeah. real here. I, I, um, I'm looking <laughs> at your stats here on the on the Google Doc. I think I think so. Yeah, I'm about halfway into it and definitely feeling it. Uh, it's a shipwrecked double IPA. From Mission Brewery in San Diego, 9.5% alcohol by volume. It also comes in a pint, which, uh, uh-oh, Kyle. It's uh-oh. Uh, starting by, to feel it. By pint, it do you mean the uh, the big, tall 22-ounce bottle? Yes. The deucer? That's correct. The deucer. Nice. Um, it's, it's 75 IBUs, too, so it's 
nice and hoppy. Uh, pours a nice burnt orange, almost. I mean, I look. I'm looking at it in the light right now, and I, I just think Texas. It's just Longhorn orange out of really? the uh, hook em. out of the bottle there. So huh. hook them on that one. Nice. Um, but pretty solid beer. It it is nine point five percent, but it's not over overwhelming. Uh huh. Um, is it more? Would um, you say it's more malty or more hoppy? As a double IPA, it's pretty balanced. Uh, let me let me take a little drink. Let here. me take a little, a little more sip. Yeah, it's. I'd almost lean to more malty. Um, doesn't hit you with that crazy aroma, that that crazy bitterness in the back of your throat um, that some of the other IPAs we've tried on this show have been. Mm-hmm. But um, nice, sweet, kind of all over the palate finish and. Um, yeah, definitely. You, know, you got a lot. There's, there's a lot, of, a lot of good breweries down in San Diego. You know, you got Stone, you got Mission here. Mm-hmm. Rear, you're drinking uh, Ballast Point with their Sculpin IP. Actually, that that might be one of my next beers of the week. I got a good one from Ballast Point that I like. So, good stuff. The Shri- Shipwreck Double IPA. I'm, I'm wondering uh, where they came up with the name Shipwreck. <laughs> yeah, not. It's not Shipwreck. It's shipwrecked. Yeah, so. I'm guessing it has something to do with the uh, 9.5% alcohol by volume and uh, possibly Captain Hazelwood, uh, pilot of the uh, Exxon Valdez up in Alaska back in the 80s, if anyone remembers that shipwreck. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> what do Love you it. do with a drunken sailor? What do you do with a drunken sailor? Oh, uh, good stuff. That's making that's making next year's montage. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. All right, and with that, I think that wraps up beer of the week. I wish I had one. Now, now I'm just getting kind of thirsty. War. Hey, you know what, Kyle? I mean, this if if anything, this encourages our listeners to hit us up on Twitter at Sports with Teeth, or on Facebook, the Sports with Teeth podcast, or at Sports with Teeth at Gmail dot com. Suggest a beer. Uh, Kyle will definitely go buy it. I don't care how far he has to go. Uh, if he has to go down all the way down to Florida, he'll get it. So um, uh, I'm, I'm making that promise to you completely em- emptily. It's, empty. It's an empty promise. But, nice. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, hit us up on the social media. Send us your beer of the week <laughs> suggestions, and uh, we'll drink them. Heck yeah, we will. All right, let's get let's get right down to business here. Uh, we've we've kind of alluded to the preview here of the Duck game. Uh, this is what everyone wants to hear. Uh, huge game uh, this weekend. UW at Oregon. The Ducks are 18-point favorites, War. Uh, that number seems a little high to me. You know, normally in these kind of games, you take Oregon minus anything. But this mm-hmm. week, I don't think that's the case, Kyle. I think the good, solid money is on UW mm-hmm. uh, to make it a close game. It's a 5 p.m. kickoff on Fox Sports 1. Where the fun happens. It's just, it's just a huge rivalry game. It's... 364 days of hate and on the 365th you play each other so uh i took that one out of roll tide war yeah alabama auburn here (laughs) hey what's what's narrating um (laughs) yeah huge 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 game obviously uh we don't need to remind anyone but uh it's been since 2003 that we beat this team uh and we when we blew them out down there 42 14 uh reggie williams what's up um, but yeah, huge game. Ducks are allegedly going with their 94 throwbacks in honor of the 20th anniversary of the pick. Uh, let the hate begin. That's that's kind of a slap in the face of the Huskies, huh? No, it absolutely is. They play that they play that play before every single Pac-12, every single game. Um, it was a it was a program turnaround kind of play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I mean, I hate I hate watching it. I hate listening to it. I hate that Kenny Wheaton's going to score. I just hate everything possible about that university and 
God, I hope we win. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good time for the the dogs to kind of get get all the, the curse out from the pick. Just get that get all that. They're going to be celebrating. They're going to be riding high, and we just go stomp them down there. Uh, I think it's it's the time time to get rid of the the pick and uh, put put that to rest. Kyle, ten years is quite long enough. I, I don't want to make it eleven. I don't want to get to fifteen. I don't want to get to twenty. I want to stop it right at ten. I like it. I like it. And, the, and this year, the Ducks—they uh, look a little bit uh, more mortal than they have the last few years. Uh, they're number nine in the country, uh, five and one, coming off their lone loss uh, two weeks ago against Arizona at home in a 31-24 game on a Thursday night, uh, in which Arizona really dominated them. Yeah, absolutely. They dominated dominated them on the offensive and defensive side mm-hmm. of the ball. Our boy. Uh, Scooby Wright, member of the Pac-12 All-Name team, for those that remember that episode of the podcast, uh, with the huge critical strip sack of uh, Marcus Mariota late in the game to seal it for the uh, Wildcats. Kyle, this this team is still extremely talented. I mean, there's no getting around that. They are a fanatically speedy offense and defense, um, a program built on speed, a program that, you know, kind of found their national voice uh, mm-hmm. in speed and um, it's going to be tough for the Huskies no matter no matter what whether it's on offense whether it's on defense um, it's going to be a very very tough game yeah definitely and the, the Ducks uh, they had their close game at Wazoo in which uh, the Pac-12 refs struck again yet again uh, uncompromising ineptitude from them uh, and uh, then they, they lose to Arizona but they really bounced back big this week against UCLA and a dominant the score was a lot closer than this game was 42 to 30 it went in down into the Rose Bowl and this really looked like a vintage Oregon team yeah Kyle the key for Oregon has been their offensive line uh, all year when they played poorly the Ducks don't play well at all and when they play well uh, the ducks kind of when, blown, blown. I think I think out. that's I think that's different. Not played poorly or played well. Their offensive line. It's whether their offensive linemen actually played because they've lost four of their starters uh, on that offensive line since camp started last week against you. they get left tackle Jake Fisher back, who everyone says is one of the top top linemen in the uh, conference. And I guess I think the stats kind of back that up. Uh, this is quote directly from uh, Ted Miller's article today on uh, the Pac-12 blog. But when Fisher played in the first three games of the season, the Ducks were three and zero, averaged fifty two points a game, and Mariota was sacked only four times in the first three games. When he missed the next two games, the Wazoo and Arizona games, uh, with a left leg injury, the Ducks went one and one, averaged thirty one points, and Mariota was sacked twelve times. So uh, the difference in three games, he was sacked four times with Fisher, and then without Fisher, twelve sacks, and then no sacks last week against UCLA. I think. Uh, if you guys fucking follow all those stats, uh, Fisher coming back is huge for this offense, and they look like the uh, the the playoff contending team that they they are. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how how Kikaha deals with uh, with that. I'm assuming he's going to be coming off the uh, the left side of that offensive line mm-hmm. quite yeah, often, so. and that's going to be a huge battle to watch. I mean, if there's one player on player matchup you definitely have to watch, it's that one. Yeah, Key that so up on. Every single defensive snap for the Huskies, and mm-hmm. that may well just dictate how this game goes. If oh, Haliki Kaha can get pressure on Marcus Mariota, Ducks are going to have a rough time. But mm-hmm. if if uh, Jake Fisher come is back and 100 percent and playing like he did for uh, the four games he's played this season, uh, might be might be a little tough for him. So oh, definitely. Um, definitely, I, I expect Chris Peterson and and Co to you know, bust out some stunts, bust out some exotic defensive line 
packages to try and get Kikaha and Shelton and mm-hmm. Feeney and all those guys free. So um, it's all yeah. about shutting down Marcus Mariota. Definitely, definitely. And and Mariota, you mentioned, he's probably the best player in the country. I mean, I think that's pretty clear. Probably going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. Uh, he's thrown 17 touchdowns to zero picks this year while completing 70% of his passes. Um, he's unbelievable. And I think I think the real key for our defense excuse me uh burp there <laughs> the key for our defense <laughs> is uh his escapability and big play making ability he's got with his legs uh you know it's something that that we've talked about all year on here is that vernon adams for eastern washington the only real mobile quarterback that we faced he, he burned us even kevin hogan burned us with his legs um so so a, a, a stationary quarterback like uh illinois had or like uh jared goff last weekend we're able to get pressure on and really really force force the issue and our defense looks a lot better than a quarterback that's able to escape the pocket so we're gonna ha- really have to focus on containing Mariota and limiting those big playability uh with his legs yeah, when you talk about eliminating a, ru- a running quarterback, it's all about keeping your lane integrity as a defensive line. Uh, you have to keep contain on the outsides, and then up in the insides, you have to make sure you don't give him those wide-open running lanes where he can get down the field. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's something that the Huskies didn't do very well against or with uh, Vernon Adams or Kevin Hogan, like you mm-hmm. said, um, and it's something that, you know, it, it's... If you make one mistake, he's going to burn you. Yeah, well, you can't you can't take any step, any hand fight, anything off. Your positioning has to be solid the entire mm-hmm. game. Otherwise, Mariota is going to be up at that second level and even in the third level of that defense to uh, mm-hmm. cut us for some big plays. Yeah, definitely. And even even last year in that game up here in, in Husky Stadium, game day was in the house, huge game. We were playing right with them for those first three quarters and uh, really, you know, doing a pretty darn good job containing Mariota. I thought. And, uh, you know, the talent level looked the same, but then he makes that huge play on a third and long, last play of the third quarter, if you remember. He scrambled right, cuts all the way back uh, on the field, gets like a 40-yard gain, uh, and reversed the field. Unbelievable play. Something that no one really else in the country can play. It's kind of like a Russell Wilson-type play, obviously. Um, And that really killed us. And then after that, we blinked for that play, and then they went and scored and took the lead and never looked back. So something that watching the film, obviously the guys are aware of it. Uh, they know they know they can't take any plays off, and I, th- I thought last year our talent level, the gap between us and Oregon, isn't that much. Uh, and the key here is that Mariota is the is the big difference maker. So, really focusing on containing him is going to be absolutely critical. Yeah, you're also going to have to watch out for how Oregon runs that inside zone play that they've become famous for. I mean, it started with probably before like the Michael James even um, Jonathan Stewart. Kinda, yeah, Jonathan Stewart was from Lacey was a Washington. There. Yep, absolutely. So, and uh, Michael James, obviously Kenyon Barner, all those guys. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they've all been they've all been great at you know really kind of stymieing that Washington defensive front, not allowing them to get penetration, not allowing them to be playmakers in the backfield, um, and that's kind of the base of this Oregon offense. Um, if they can run that zone read play, then they're going to be moving the ball down the field in big chunks and it's it's hard to defend against because you don't know if they're going to burn you on the on the zone read uh so you want to keep your integrity but if you do that then marcus Mariota just drops back and has all the time in the world and beats you with his arm or his legs so Mm -hmm. um they're tough nut to crack kyle it's 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 going to be a hard game 
it's I think it's I think it's going to be competitive, but um, you know we'll see. Yeah, definitely. You know, when their offense is really going good, they, it's when they're going up field on that they get six yards on first down right up the middle, then they can get that tempo going and really snowballs. So we're gonna have to stop that. And the the key there's got to be Danny Shelton in the middle, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he the reason he's here is to shut down the middle of the field, take on double teams, push them back, and get some penetration, and then ultimately uh, set up some some tackles or get the tackle himself. Um, he's that kind of dynamic uh, spark plug of a player up on that defensive line. Mm-hmm. Clearly, you know this is where he makes his big money in that NFL draft. He's going to get drafted, but you go out there and you shut down an Oregon offense by yourself up in the middle there, uh, and you can make some big money. You know, you think of Nick Fairley in that 2010 national championship, really clogged things up, didn't allow Michael James to get going up the middle, and you saw Oregon's offense sputter. It's it's something that they've had problems with against those, these big defensive linemen. You think a lot of the SEC games against like LSU, uh, Ohio State, some of their Rose Bowl uh, losses. That it's those big big defensive linemen in the middle that are able to clog up and stop that inside zone. So I think uh, Danny Shelton there is going to be the key to our defense to stop that zone and ultimately stop their offense. Absolutely. Let's move over to our offensive side of the ball. Um, we're going to have to score with these with these Ducks. Uh, you always have to score with them. You can't come out and beat them, you know, 20 to 14. That's not going to happen. Uh, it's going to have to – you're going to have to put up, I think, at least – at least 30 points to win mm-hmm. this ball game. Um, and the question is, is Southern Miles capable of doing that? Yeah, yeah maybe. Oh, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I, I don't necessarily feel that confident out of it. It would it could be surprised me if he came out and had another game like this. Not entirely. Uh, as long as he doesn't turn the ball over, uh, I think we're going to have to obviously get some get some critical turnovers ourselves and keep keep with that trend of being the the biggest turnover differential in the country. Um, and then then we're going to have a shot. Uh, their defense pretty solid, not great. Uh, DeForest Buckner, uh, Sports Teeth All Name Team, great defensive end for them. Number forty four, uh, he's going to be someone to watch. Uh, their other defensive end, Eric Armstead, he's really good as well. Uh, did not play against UCLA. Probably going to go this week as he was questionable last week almost went so they'll probably have their full complement of d linemen back so it's gonna be gonna be tough to run the football against them yeah the other playmaker they have we mentioned before was ifo ek uh coming out of the defensive backfield there uh generally regarded as best corner in the country right now he's kind of got that that long lanky richard sherman-esque uh build to him um gotta think that he's gonna be playing on john ross most of the game and uh you know while while that that's kind of scary, it's also probably a good thing because it means he can't guard the likes of Jadon Mickens. He can't guard the likes of mm. hopefully Cason Williams because um, he's going to be following John Ross all over the field. Hopefully, John Ross is fast enough to wear him out, and uh, you know maybe he he kind of wears down that fourth quarter. But you know, there's one thing I know about Oregon offense and defense: they don't wear down in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. They're one of the best conditioned teams in the country. Um, so, like I said gonna be tough yeah definitely definitely i think keys to the game like i said turnover the turnover battle gotta win that gotta contain mariota you have to shut down the inside zone as well which i think goes goes a long way to help containing mariota because you don't have to devote as many people to the inside run so we we shut that down with our d tackles and then i think we're gonna have to have to get the run game going a little more than it has been this entire year take the pressure off a of young siler miles going into a hostile environment I mean, he started games on the road last year in Corvallis, but, but a rivalry game in Austin Stadium is a whole different ball game. 
Yep, absolutely. I'd agree with those. Um, Kyle, it's, it's time for the big prediction. Uh, Ducks, again, minus 18 against the Huskies. Who do you got? Uh, I have the Huskies scoring 21 and the Ducks scoring 31. Unfortunately, I don't think our offense is going to be – I think our defense is going to contain them to 31 points. is pretty pretty low for the Ducks, to be honest. Uh, but I, I just think that with their healthy offensive line, it's going to be too much. And I, I guess I don't have quite enough confidence in Siler Miles to call for the upset. Would I be shocked if we did end up pulling this victory? Not at all. I think I think this team is finally ready to compete with the Ducks. Chris Peterson 2-0 and against the Ducks, including a win in Austin. Stadium, uh, so you know, is it out of the realm of possibility? No. Um, do I think it's going to happen? I'd give it a thirty percent chance of upset, um, and if that thirty percent chance hits, I'll be uh, I'll be fully ready to roll. Yeah, Kyle. You know, I I can never pick against the Huskies in this game. I know it's <laughs> it, it, it may be irrational, it may be ridiculous. I just can't do it. I, I... it's it's a it's a maybe the Homer in me, maybe the the rivalry factor. I'm not picking against the dogs ever in this series. Um, so you guys can take that with a grain of salt as what you will, but, uh, I'm picking Huskies 35 ducks 30. I think, uh, I think the, I think the Huskies step it up and have kind of a little bit of a, uh, bend, but don't break defense, maybe late in the game, force a field goal when, uh, the ducks could use a touchdown and, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe two of them and, you know, really come out and, make this game theirs. Um, I also like Shaq Thompson for two turnovers, one that he takes to the house. I like it. I love it. I love it. And you talked to me on Friday, and you know who I'll be picking. <laughs> My uh, irrational, irrational uh, confidence only going to grow. It's only Monday war, so I <laughs> reserve the right to change this pick on it if we do it's, a pregame. It's, it's about it. It's about a 14-point swing between Monday and, and Friday for you, so uh, it might <laughs> we'll be check more. back in with you. Usually my go-to <laughs> score is 31-3 dogs, and so I don't know if we'll quite get there, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> it almost hit last weekend when I called it before the game, <laughs> 31-7. But all right, let's, uh, let's, we're running pretty late here. Let's do a quick little whip around the Pac-12 other games. Uh, you, on Friday night, you saw Stanford take it to Wazoo, really shutting down that offense, uh, holding them to... 17 points, Stanford scores 34. Stanford's defense, definitely one of the top in the country. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We saw that against Washington. They they shut down every part of our offense, and um, we've seen it against the likes of Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame did win that game, mm-hmm. but uh, Stanford's defense played really well. I don't think it was on them. Um, Stanford's a good team. Um, they stumbled a little bit against Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Uh, Notre Dame's a great team, though, as well. Um, Washington State... I think we have all seen that it, it's the same story, different verse every single week. It's mm-hmm. phenomenal offense and it's horrendous defense. Um, this game was a little bit, a little bit different um, because Stanford's defense was so good. But overall, yeah, I, it's, I mean, Stanford, it's, Stanford held held Halliday to under 300 yards first time all year uh, through 69 passes, only got 290 yards. So clearly, uh, lots of lots of credits got to go to that Stanford defense against the Wazoo offense that we've just been known to move the ball pretty darn well. Obviously, Halliday setting that record two two weeks ago against Cal um, with the most passing yards in in history uh, in one single game. So great win for Stanford, uh, getting back on track into Pac-12 play. Remember, they are are still two and one in Pac-12 places they're right there in the thick of the uh pac-12 north battle even though they do have that out of conference loss to notre dame absolutely speaking of teams who are two and one in pac-12 play uh we alluded to a a little bit earlier in the podcast but oregon knocks off ucla 42 to 30 
Um, you know, we talked about how it was a little bit closer than the game actually mm-hmm. was. Um, they really kind of shut down Brett Hundley a little bit. UCLA Definitely. scored 20, 20 of its 30 points in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. uh, when the game was well out of hand at yeah, that was, point. So. I mean, it was 42 to 10 to start, start of the fourth quarter there. So clearly the Ducks were up big. Three garbage touchdowns made this game look close. Um, but yeah, Mariota getting off uh, pretty well. No sacks, which was the key with that healthy offensive line. Royce Freeman, they had that. The he's the freshman running back. Uh, he ran 18 carries for 121 yards, two touchdowns. Really working that uh, that inside zone. So that's going to be critical stopping him, stopping Thomas Tyner, their other big running back. Byron Marshall was their big running back last year. He's moved out to a slot position, uh, catching the ball a lot more. So. Uh, we're gonna have to focus on all those guys. They got a lot of playmakers, but uh, going down into the into the Rose Bowl for a dominate victory over UCLA, uh, it's pretty impressive out of the Ducks. Yep, absolutely. Um, let's talk about another Southern California team, USC, uh, outlasting number ten Arizona, uh, twenty eight to twenty six. Came down to a last second field goal that uh, Steve Sarkeesian ices Arizona's kicker, um, uses a late timeout, and uh, Really, that call basically won the game for USC. Um, pretty classic Steve Sarkeesian kind of stolen win um, <laughs> at a at a good team's place. So um, yeah, no, this I, game. I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can really garner anything from this game. It was, oh, it was this a tough a loss game. for Arizona. It was a great game, but I I don't know if that's enigmatic of what either of these teams are. Yeah, and no, I think these are two two pretty good teams that went at it in a late night uh, Pac-12 game. Which I mean, it's the best show on television, really. Most I mean, entertaining. Ever, you do <laughs> not you do not not stay up for the late Pac-12. Yeah, game. are you Let's not inter- are you not entertained? I think this game got over about eleven thirty, and I was still watching it on what would be my like I don't know seventeenth hour straight of college football after getting up at six a.m. for game day. Oh, great day! <laughs> oh, great man. day! Oh man! Oh man! It was great. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Arizona's down by eight with a minute to play they score a touchdown go for the two-point conversion it fails they get this beautiful onside kick from this kicker uh he's going to be the hero of the game right they they move it down into field goal range 36 yard field goal makes the first one sark calls the timeout just in time uh he shanks it clearly i mean college kickers right uh end up losing arizona drops from the ranks of the unbeatens uh the last uh pac-12 team without a blemish they they go to uh five and one now uh and uh uh, so no no undefeated teams in Pac-12 this early in the season. Uh, really surprising. But you still got to think that a one-loss Pac-12 team has a good shot to get into that playoff. Yeah, I mean, you would think, but it's going to come down to how the season plays out. Mm-hmm. None of us really know until those first uh, college football playoff rankings come out um, in a few weeks here. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, but before we really talk playoffs, seriously, I, uh, Buck Allen, the running back for SC, uh, 205 yards. He's a he's a horse out there. He's really good. It reminds us a lot of Bishop Sankey running for Sark last year. A new Solomon, the uh, freshman quarterback for Arizona. That guy is is a solid player. He had uh, almost 400 yards passing. Uh, almost brought him back for the victory. Um, he did throw the ball 72 times. I think if, if Arizona is going to be throwing it that much, I don't think they're going to uh, have too much too many uh, too much success with that that those kind of unbalanced. Uh, teams but they did have a ton of plays in this ball game yep absolutely uh just real quick next week's late game for the pac-12 number 23 stanford uh against number 17 arizona state that's gonna be a phenomenal game i cannot wait for that one is that at uh uh, at asu oh 
man, you know what? I don't it is. Even, I just pulled it up. I, I think it, it is. I think yeah, it is. Stanford favored by four. I think you got to go with Stanford there, shutting down that high-powered attack, even though they're on the road. Uh, actually, yeah. now I'm just looking the line. The Oregon line has moved from 18 up to 21. So three yeah, touchdown money, favorites. Money on the Ducks. I I think it's easy money on Washington. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not seeing something, but I think Washington a lot, has a good I think a, defense. A, a lot of people were really, really impressed by the UCLA game last weekend, and I think Oregon, uh, Oregon showed people a lot. So we'll see. We will see. Three that's, touchdowns. That's, three touchdowns is a lot, though. That's fair. I mean, yes, three touchdowns is quite a bit against what may be Washington's best defense in ten years. Oh, definitely. I think it clearly is. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think. That's that's gonna be a, that's gonna be really tough. I I like Washington on that money line, um, so we'll yeah. see or the spread. Uh, well, okay. Well, let's get into uh, we're running pretty long, so let's get into our um, our final fours here. Yeah. So we had a discussion uh, moving forward with this is how we're gonna kind of move ahead with picking our final fours. Obviously, our final fours have changed entirely from the last time we podcasted. Um, I mean, we had. Hashtag Team Chaos going on two weeks ago when the Huskies were uh, thankfully sitting on the sidelines for that one. Um, but yeah, let's get into our, uh, our our picks here. What's that? Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? And now the Sports with Teeth Hypothetical Selection Committee. Yeah, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. I mean, if Tyrone Willingham could do it, how hard can it be? Ah, yes, War. The selection committee meets again, and uh, we did ha- we did have an earlier discussion about this. We're we're a lot of people are doing what their final four would be if the season ended today. We're not going to do that. We're going to take it a step further, and we're going to project it. So we're not just taking into the account the results of of the games that have been played so far. We're t- going to take into account what we think is going to happen the rest of the season. So that really complicates things a little bit. So we're doing a projection here, not a, a determination of who would be our playoff teams right now. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it it's a little bit too easy to say who would be right now. I mean, there are polls out where, you know, like 20 or 30 national writers have picked their consensus team. So we don't want to follow those polls. We want to, we want to do it our own way and uh, kind of figure out what it's going to be at the end of the season. Um, and you guys can hold hold us to this. Uh, I mean, I think our guesses are probably just as right as anybody else's guesses at this point. But um, <laughs> you know, we're gonna we're gonna see how it goes. Yeah, uh, fire away, war. It's all you. All right. Well, my my picks are based on a series of uh, of crucial games for mm-hmm. the contenders. Um, the first one I'm going to go to is the winner of the Egg Bowl. Uh, for those that don't know, the Egg Bowl is played between Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Um, I am taking Ole Miss to win this game in Oxford. Uh, Dr. Bo coming out with that uh, that sharp scalpel and uh, dicing up the, the Bulldog defense. So I am taking Ole Miss as my first playoff. Dr. Bo! Dr. Bo making a house call. Do, do, the, uh, do the listeners know about Dr. Bo yet? I, I, don't, I don't know if the listeners do know about Dr. Bo, but I mean, I feel like they can figure it out. They need to. Bill Wallace, their quarterback, uh, playing really well this year. The, the last few years, he's been kind of an enigma. Uh, and so some sports writers for SB Nation named him uh, Dr. Bo, operating. Uh, but he's he's not really a, 
a normal doctor. He's like a country doctor that makes house calls <laughs> and uses rusty scalpel. And half the time it works really good, and half the time he throws four picks and uh, you know amputates an arm when he's supposed to do a tonsillectomy. So <laughs> you, know, you don't know if he's you don't know if he's drunk off moonshine or if he's sober as a bird. You know, using but, his, using his newly sterilized. Uh, instruments there you'd know a lot about that wouldn't you kyle <laughs> i do i do dr bo uh gotta love gotta love that qb very fun to watch uh uh old miss games when you uh when you just drop in dr bows all over the place so uh we yeah. did that we did that quite a bit this weekend <laughs> a lot of a lot of the national media also i know this riles him up but they're talking about good bow versus bad bow Oh, yeah. um, you know, like we're talking about, he he's a little bit inconsistent, and uh, I know he doesn't like it. He came out on one of the national radio, I think national sports radio shows, and just said, "I don't know where they got good bow or bad bow." He's like, "I'm trying to play good bow every week." So he's, um, <laughs> he's not good bow or bad bow. He's Doctor Bow. Uh, so so you got Ole Miss in there. All right, who else you got? Yep. Uh, the next big game I'm going with is the winner of the <laughs> Baylor and Oklahoma game. Um, I've had Oklahoma. This entire year, uh, I'm still pretty confident in Oklahoma, so I'm going to stick with my guns and take Oklahoma as my second playoff team, come out of the Big 12 there, uh, beating Baylor. Uh, Baylor had a had a close Ooh. call against TCU this week. Crazy um, game. Had to, had to come back, uh, probably the game of the week there. Oh, clearly. Uh, in uh, in Waco. So um, Yeah, they were down 21 in the fourth quarter, come back, score 24 unanswered points, win the shootout in Waco. <laughs> See what I did there? Um, <laughs> and and uh, they win the, win the ball game 61-59, so great game. Yep, so I'm taking Oklahoma as my second team. Uh, I might as well go to the other big game that I think is going to be a deciding factor, and that's, as always, the Iron Bowl. Um, both of these teams, Auburn and Alabama, have one loss on their record. Um, it's so tough to tell because both of these teams also have to play Ole Miss. Uh, I think remaining, maybe I'm wrong about that. They have to play one of the Mississippi schools. I know both of them have to. So, um, But I think it, it the winner of the Iron Bowl is probably going to be the team with the other team with one loss um, in the SEC West. So I think I'm going to take Auburn as my uh, my third team to get in. And then uh, my fourth team, just by default, uh, real quickly, Florida State. I mean, defending champs, undefeated. Um, big test coming up against Notre Dame in, I believe, uh, is it, that's not this week, is it? Oh, that, oh, that's this week. No, that's week. That's this week. That's <laughs> that where game week. day is going to be. Yep, Tallahassee. Yeah, so. That'll be a big one. Uh, yeah, no, Auburn does play Old Miss as well, so you got two of your teams playing each other. So that, uh, that projection is a little dicey, but we'll, we'll roll with it. I mean, you know, Auburn beats Ole Miss, Auburn beats Alabama. That's two yeah. one-loss SEC yeah, West definitely, teams. And definitely. I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Oh, totally. Yeah, definitely possible. Uh, I personally, I think Oregon is back in my top four. Uh, I think I think as if they end up running the table, which it looks like they have a chance to do, obviously a big hurdle this weekend uh, as the dogs come to town. But I think, I think they're back to being a national contender. They looked legit last weekend against UCLA. 
going on the road and embarrassing the Bruins, really. I mean, Jim Moore and his defensive coordinator were getting a shouty match on the sideline. Uh, so I think I think the Ducks jump back in, and if, if they they end up as a 12-1 and Pac-12 champ, I think there's no way you can keep them out of the playoff. Uh, I also have Ole Miss. we got Dr. Bo. Uh, we talked about him. They also have an unbelievable defense. They, they The Land Shark defense, they, they get after it. They shut down Kenny Hill and that high-powered uh, Texas A&M offense in College Station this week. Unbelievable game. I also have Mississippi State. I think uh, I've been impressed by those Mississippi schools. So I think even though I have Ole Miss winning the Egg Bowl, I think uh, Mississippi State gets in with one that one loss, maybe even two losses. Uh, but I think their their wins, uh, you know, this this last three weeks have been unbelievable, and they really dominated that game against Auburn. And the last one, I I dropped Florida State out of my poll. I just have no confidence that Jameis Winston's going to be eligible for the rest of the season. Uh, he's he's now under investigation for the cover up of the alleged rape incident last year um by the school so he's has pot facing possible expulsion there he's also today linked to the same autograph dealer that todd Gurley was linked to so i think we're projecting this not i mean if it was now they'd be in but projecting it i think they lose this weekend to notre dame because Jameis Winston gets suspended this week and Notre Dame ends up jumping into my playoff, uh, it kind of feels like that 2012 season where they had quite the magical year. So I got Notre Dame into my playoff for the final four of Oregon, Old Miss, Notre Dame, and Mississippi State in what's really a crazy, crazy final four. I also I don't think any of the Big 12 teams get in. Uh, I was big on Baylor, but this last weekend their defense is just brutal. So I think, I think they're going to drop some. I think TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State all cannibalize each other in that Big 12. They get no one in. The Big 10 gets no one in because they suck. And uh, like I said, Florida State, um, they're out because I have no confidence in Jameis staying healthy or staying eligible, which we saw them against Clemson. They're not the same team without uh, America's sweetheart, Jameis Winston. All right, Kyle, I know we're running late here, but I kind of want to pick apart your ranking. I, 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 have, some, I have some thoughts on this. Okay, and I saw, these, I saw those, it before. These weren't in order. These were just my team. So, oh, I, no, it's fine. Yeah. I, I, I just want to. I, I think I'm going to insert some other, or some reason why these teams aren't going to make it. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's see. It. Let's start because I could easily, I could easily say none of these teams make it. I could see that easily happening. But yeah. So, yeah. so my first one, the most obvious one, I think, is Notre Dame. Yeah. One because um, I don't think that Florida State is going to suspend Jameis Winston in time for this Saturday's game. Um, that that oh, could it's be ha- oh, wrong. Oh, it's happening. Oh, it's happening. I, I don't know. I'm not <laughs> sure. If they don't suspend Jameis for that game, let me let me let me read you off their remaining schedule. Yeah. And I'm I assuming that if Jameis right Winston now. if Jameis Winston plays, they're going to beat Notre Dame. Uh-huh. So their remaining schedule is at Louisville, which is a Thursday night game. Things can get weird. Who knows? Uh, Versus Virginia, when this is Florida State, Florida State. This is Florida State. This is Florida State's remaining schedule. Uh, So versus Virginia at home, at Miami, win. Boston College at home, win, and then Florida at home, win. I don't think they need Jameis Winston to win any of those games. So if if Jameis Winston plays this week, I think they go undefeated. Mm -hmm. Um, Notre Dame, on the other hand, if they lose this week or if they win. They still have to – they play at Navy next weekend, which is a win. Uh, they have to go to Arizona State, which tough is going to be a very, very tough game for them. Taylor they play Northwest. Back. They play Northwestern at home. They play Louisville at home. And then to end the season, they go to the uh, L.A. Coliseum to play USC mm-hmm. in what could be a fantastic game um, and is also a losable game for Notre Dame. So 
I don't have confidence that Notre Dame is going to finish this season undefeated. They may have two wins or two losses. It's I'm possible, sorry. definitely uh, possible. And uh, from those three games, you know what more though? I, I just feel like it's Notre Dame. It's the exact same story we saw the 2012 season. They had a tight game against uh, North Carolina last week, and it shouldn't have been tight. They've they played tight games, but I think this. I think Everett Golson's for real. I think he's a good quarterback. He's still yet to lose a regular season game. Uh, I mean, we're going. We got the matchup of two quarterbacks and him and Jameis Winston that have neither have lost in the regular season. Um, so. I don't know. I think I, I Notre Dame obviously is a branched out pick, but I, I think they they might be for real. And you know, I mean, it could go that way. It could very well go that way. Um, the other the other one I want to pick out is um, Oregon. Um, I mean, Oregon still has to play a tough. <laughs> you don't tough think they're going to win this weekend? Game. So <laughs> tough rivalry game this weekend against Washington. They also still have to play Stanford. They still have to play at Utah in front of the Muss. Um, that could be a trap game for for, for Ducks. That's also body blow theory, too. They play Stanford and then at Utah the next week. Um, so, I mean, don't don't think that they're gonna go. They're gonna go and win the rest of their games this season. Mm-hmm. They could very well have another loss. Oh, Michigan yeah. State, by the while, or by the way, is number ranked number eight in the country right now. Their only loss is to Oregon. So, mm-hmm. I think when you're picking between a Oregon, you know, one loss Oregon and one loss. Michigan State, you obviously pick Oregon. However, Michigan State only has to play Indiana, Michigan. They have a big game against Ohio State Mm -hmm. at home, though. And then they play Maryland, Rutgers, and Penn State to end their season. They could go win. They could win the rest of their games fairly easily. So definitely, um, when you're picking between a one-loss Michigan State and a two-loss Oregon. I don't know where you go with that one. That's tough, uh, especially if, if that two-loss Oregon team does win the conference, because obviously the committee wants conference champions. Yes, uh, absolutely. Head-to-head matters. Uh, I think the Pac-12 is clearly stronger conference in the Big Ten, so I don't know. You know, and it's one of those deals where at least for for Michigan State, uh, it would have been a lot better off of them to play a MAC school instead of Oregon, because if they're undefeated, they would have got in as a conference champ of the Big Tw- Big Ten. But going on the road, you know, they they would say that those non-conference games are going to help teams with their strength of schedule. And you got to hope that the committee says that because we want more of those games. But right. clearly, if they if they got one blemish versus if they're undefeated, and even though they don't have quite as good a quality wins, I think they still get in with that undefeated record. Right, and that's right, that's so. the huge wild card this year that we don't know about is 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 are they going to say Florida State ends up undefeated, but Jameis Winston's suspended for the season, and they look kind of crappy against like Duke in the in the conference championship and they struggle you know in close games in the ACC but still end up going undefeated is is the committee going to take that into consideration the fact that they're technically not the same team that they were when they beat the you know the Oklahoma States and the Notre Dames of the world early in the season when they had their Heisman Trophy winning quarterback that'll be an interesting human element which the computer couldn't quantify um so yeah, I, th- I think that's going to be something to watch. Also, like the injury to Jake Fisher uh, with the Ducks is are, is the community, committee going to take that into consideration as well? Correct. You're you're absolutely right. So, I mean, <laughs> look at that argument that we that we just had over all those teams, mm-hmm. and imagine being you know <laughs> however however many people are on the selection committee having those arguments. Thir- thirteen, it's gonna be, thirteen of them. Yeah, thirteen yeah, of them. It's going to be tough. It's it's gonna it's gonna got very, it got a lot harder, especially after last weekend. But holy cow, uh, gotta Absolutely. love it. Good, good, good banter here, War. Fun stuff. And uh, I will uh, see you down live in Eugene on Friday night, huh? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. No, okay. no promises, but 
uh, we'll, we'll, we'll upgrade it to a maybe. A maybe. <laughs> Solid maybe. Solid verbal Solid commitment. Maybe. <laughs> Solid verbal maybe. <laughs> okay, right on. Well, call me maybe. And uh, we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening, folks. Uh, if you uh, want to hit us up down in Eugene, if you're down there, give us a call. Uh, tweet us, whatever. We'll, uh, we'll be rooting the dogs on down there. Hopefully a uh, great ball game down in Austin Stadium. Go dogs. This has been the Sports with Teeth podcast. We'd like to thank you for listening, and until next time, adios amigos.